0: And then your wife tells you that she has had three affairs each of them lasted three years and the last one has lasted five years and it's still ongoing or maybe you discover that okay so then you might say well what happens then well what happens is that everything you thought was wrong if you're betrayed badly enough Not only are you not going to understand your immediate past with that person. Oh, and by the way, your future's also gone, so that's a big problem, as is your present has become radically more complex. But it's worse than that, because if you're really betrayed, you're also going to think, who am I that I could be that stupid? And then you're going to think, what is a human being that they can be that corrupt? You ended up establishing a relationship with someone who was really not good for you. And that might mean, well, they just, it was just a bad personality match, or it might mean they really weren't good for you. Because, you know, you can get pretty unlucky and you can get tangled up with someone who's very deceitful and very malevolent and who could care less about you, or maybe who even wants to hurt you. And then you can establish a trusting relationship with them, or at least you trust them, and then one day, you know, you find out that they are not who they said they were, or even more importantly, they are not who you thought they were. It's like, A, you don't know that person. B, they're not communicating with you, nor you with them. Maybe they're just subordinating themselves to you or you to them. And you're not growing. You want someone who can... It's, a real relationship is a wrestling match. It's a grappling... It's a grappling phenomena that you both emerge transformed from. And that's what people want. They don't want to push over. Not, not unless there's something wrong with them. You know, a narcissistic person who never wants to be challenged will want a partner who does nothing but deliver exactly what they're told to deliver, but they will mistreat them beyond belief. What does the optimal relationship look like in terms of positive and negative emotion? You might say, well, utopia, nothing but positive interactions. It's like, no. Imagine you get people to code the interactions they have with their partner during the day. You know, you sample it. You say, was that interaction positive or negative? And then what you're trying to do is predict the longevity of the relationship. Okay, so here's the data. If it falls under five positive interactions to one negative interaction, the relationship doesn't continue. Fair enough. Too much negative. That's easy to understand. If it exceeds 11 positive to one negative, the relationship doesn't last. Why? No challenge. Right? What do you want from your partner? Bliss? No. No, no, you don't. You have to pay attention to your own uncomfortable negative emotions in order to manage that and not and not pretend that everything's all right or that you're nicer than you are or that you're less jealous than you are or 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 less blind or whenever a hiccup occurs in the relationship maybe you don't call it out at each hiccup you know because you have to have a certain amount of silent tolerance in any relationship to let small infractions go but if they repeat My rule is three times, and it's the rule that I share with my wife. If something happens three times that is causing emotional upset, anger, jealousy, disappointment, resentment, frustration, any of those things, anything that you don't want to experience and that you especially don't want to experience repeatedly, then you can call it out. And and if if you have three examples, your case is much better made than if you just have one. You project your idealization onto the person that you're romantically attracted to. That's the projection of an archetype. So Jung would say the woman will project an animus onto the man, the animus is her conceptualization of what the ideal man is, it's unconscious because it's rooted in fantasy, and the man will be in concordance with that projection in some areas, That's those are the areas where she likes him, by the way, and will be discordant in other areas, and that's the areas where she constantly disappoints him as the relationship develops. So, the the projection is there in part to help the person understand who it is that they're dealing with, because when you meet someone you have to to assume something about them. It's the same as projection. You have to assume something about them, and if you find them fascinating, which is what happens if you fall in love, maybe it's because they smell good or they're symmetrical or something, you immediately assume that, well those things really matter. You immediately assume that They embody the ideal. It's an oversimplification, but the oversimplification has a basis, and the basis is, if it's interesting to me, it must be close to the ideal. Well, yeah, except the person that you're going out with, attracted to, is warped and bent and flawed and twisted in, you know, 300 ways, and you'll find that out soon enough, just as they will about you. And that often just blows the relationship into bits, because the person will say, well, she wasn't who I thought she was like well who said whoever said she was who you thought she was it's like where did you get the misapprehension that she was going to be who you thought she was but so there's a big problem here my wife had an affair question mark what's going on but then they provide an answer i still love her when when a bomb like that goes off in the midst of your life everything is up for grabs and so to immediately say, I still love her. It's like, yeah, maybe, and maybe not. And if that's all you feel, well then that in itself is definitely a problem and also might be key to why it happened to begin with because you appear to be the sort of person who can be stomped on pretty damn hard and not object. I think modern women don't really understand about men. They don't understand that At least to the degree that males are uncorrupted and and not bitter because of being rejected. They're doing everything they can to kneel before the eternal image of the feminine. And try to make themselves worthy. That's the chivalry story, right? That's what you should encourage in your partner. A very large number of my clinical clients, but also young men I've talked to in general, are absolutely terrified of women because they're terrified of being rejected and the terror exists in precise proportion to their attraction to the woman which is a horrible paradoxical situation to be in and it's often why men make such fools of themselves in front of women that they're attracted to it's because first of all they don't see the woman that they're attracted to because what the hell do they know about her they don't see her as an individual they see her as the manifestation of a judgmental ideal And then, it's only in establishing the relationship with the actual woman that they can start differentiating between the judgmental ideal and and the actual individual woman. And that also requires a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is, you never can have an ideal woman. So to have a relationship with any woman, you have to sacrifice the relationship with the ideal woman. And you have to see the individual woman and separate her from the ideal. And that's the same thing that happens to the hero in Sleeping Beauty, right? He sees the evil queen who actually turns into the dragon of chaos. And it's not until he can, able, he can defeat her that he can establish a relationship with the actual princess. One of my clients who ran this men's group, which was quite interesting, one of the things they had the initiates do, which was very intelligent, was to go out and ask 50 women in one day for their phone numbers. Why? Plightly, properly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a game, but it wasn't a stupid game. And the idea was, get over your fear of rejection. And how do you do that? By encountering it continually and continually and continually, so that you're no longer paralyzed by this. And the question is, well, what do you do in the garden, given that there's a snake in it? And the answer to that is something like, you become the master of snakes. And so, and that's a deep idea. That's the same idea as confronting the dragon and getting the treasure. That's the same idea as going to the bottom of the ocean and rescuing your father from the belly of the whale. It's the same idea. And that's an element in the greatest of stories. And the greatest of stories is heroic, a heroic story. And the heroic story is to voluntarily confront the unknown when it manifests itself and to gather something of value as a consequence and to share it with the community. There isn't a story that's more emblematic of what it means to be human than that. That that is us. That's our best bet.